have you ever just experienced like all the sound leaving the room and then <laughs> and then just like a like, like as I sat there in front of people like like and I and I'm like don't cry in front of people you know <laughs> like, like hold it together prophet preacher servant leader actor reverend deacon elder what the hell is the pastor so for the minisode I I so I have like three maybe four big pieces that I think there's a through line to draw through so let me like kind of lay out what's on the table and then we'll go from there um so I as we talked about in the in the episode I watched Chernobyl and something that like blows my mind about it is they're describing like how bad the accident could be like if the um if the reactor continues to melt down like at some point they make lava accidentally by trying to like put out the fire they've superheated the sand and boron and so they have lava that's going to melt through this concrete that's going to poison the groundwater for like millions of people but like not only that if they don't put out the fire then like this insane amount of atomic energy and like atomic like dangerous atomic radiation is going to like kill an entire continent and they're like presenting this to Gorbachev and like everybody in the room is nodding like oh these like millions and trillions of numbers of like this uh, like it's the equivalent of getting like 40 x-rays to the chest all at once like this will kill you your body will decay and like it blows my mind that we have the the ability and the power to do that you know um and this is something that i talked about a lot in my science and religion program like i am floored by atomic energy and atomic weapons like it, it is something you go from like um being able to like stab somebody with a knife and like that's the most deadly thing you can do to like automatic weapons that can like mow down a crowd to atomic energy that could like leave a crater in the entire planet and you can't fix there's no fixing that you know like Mm. so often in the show in the first couple of episodes it you just you realize like how very deeply we can fuck things up as humans. Um, and it, it's just like, it blows the mind. It is, it is beyond comprehension. And so I'm like sitting and wrestling with, with that fact, like in this disaster moment, that's bigger than what we can understand. Um, and so people choose, choose not to, right? There are people who um, watch the explosion and the fire the night that it happened from this railway bridge. And like, they're watching the like, the atmosphere get ionized from the radiation. So it's like changing colors, like the Northern lights, but Mm. just like above the power plant. Um, And there's like, it it, like ash falling, radioactive ash falling on them. They all end up dying from like radiation exposure later, but they're just watching it. And it's just this, this beautiful thing. And they're like, oh, there's just, the tar on the roof must have caught on fire and it's making this really crazy explosion thing. Um, And so, but it's like beautiful to watch. So we're just gonna watch it and be fascinated by it. And so there's there's this tension there between like Mm. this, 
amazing force that we have somehow harnessed and also like the incredible destructive power of this force. And we don't, we really can't get that. Like we just really don't understand that. Um, and what that, what that makes me jump to next is uh, climate change and climate change denial. Sure. that uh, we don't we genuinely don't understand this outsized impact that our use of fossil fuels has had on the entire ecosystem of the entire planet because we just don't think that we can do that right like hmm. it's like in the in the good place if you watch the good place i have not oh well it's all done now so you could it's good i feel like i feel like you would like it i don't know give it a try and see um but the whole kind of premise of the good place is that there's, well, not the whole premise, but part of the premise is that like, uh, you get points for doing good things and you get negative points for doing bad things. And uh, in the modern world, something as simple as like drinking almond milk could send you to hell because of all of like the negative things that come along and like making that almond milk that comes to you. So there's, and the end, there's like no moral choices under capitalism kind of stuff. Um, mm. But like, we don't really understand it just in like in like the amount of garbage we throw away or whatever like we don't understand that plastics are going to be around for decades for hundreds of years in some cases for millennia like this stuff doesn't degrade like right. something that you are using today and throwing out today is going to be on the planet longer than your great grandkids and mm. we can't think that like we just we can't understand that that's the thing that's happening and so we choose not to think that that's true you know like we choose <laughs> to deny that we could have this impact on the planet um because because how on earth could we do that and how can we bear that responsibility so those two things are kind of modern things that go together i think um but then i think back to like follow me because this is a jump uh okay. but follow me there um to the spiritualist movement in the early 20th century late 19th early 20th century where um there's a big movement to like try to reach to the spirit world to like talk to people who have died all this kind of stuff mary todd lincoln is like a very famous proponent of spiritualism she tried to talk to her dead son there's this picture of her with like lincoln but it's after he's dead because it's like this like ghost photography thing whatever but there is this there i'm just like trying to give examples that like people if people have like maybe heard of any some of this weird stuff you know um, if melania was into that i'd like her a lot more <laughs> i really would i'd be like okay sure seances sure. in the white house it's happened yeah. before um uh -huh. like william james uh ends up getting kind of caught in this mm. sir, arthur, sir arthur conan doyle like the guy who wrote sherlock holmes gets really into this uh, the Fox sisters from Rochester, Ian's hometown, are these like famous spiritualist mediums and like tarot and Ouija boards, all that kind of like all that kind of stuff that we associate with like talking to the dead and like spooky things huh. that all comes out of this movement um, in this time where, especially in the United States, as it's growing in the United States, it comes out of the Civil War and out of this like immense national trauma that we just cannot understand like people sent their sons away to a war um and like they came back this is the beginning of like modern um 
embalming methods and mm. like a lot of the um, modern funeral practices come out of this era because they're transporting bodies back and and all this kind of stuff and in like in ways that people had never hadn't, hadn't interacted with in this this kind of scale before and so um there's there is this is like we can't understand the new scale of death that is kind of put before us. I mean, like Holocaust denialism kind of fits into this too, but it, the the direction that spiritualism takes it is like, well, we can't understand this world. Therefore let's reach to the world beyond this to try to make sense of what's here. Um, and the connection to draw with that is like, that is where the ethos of like, Indiana Jones comes from um, sure. Raiders of the Lost Ark comes from where like they're seeking out the the Ark of the Covenant and then they open it up and like the Nazis faces melt and like you can't look at, at this immense power um, never mind that like the way that power manifests is very similar to the way that like radiation manifests because yeah. uh, it will melt your face um, and I I, I what I wonder is how much of our um, seeking, it, how much of our um, setting, setting rules about how we interact with God, like, like Moses being able, not able to see the face of God, how much of our distance from, from God and like that rule that we set up there is mimicked by the like awesome things that we are interacting with in the more modern world today, like things that are beyond our control, but are somehow also human generated, right? Like we, we have seen death on a scale that like we cannot um, imagine or manage in, uh, in so many big events in the world, um, COVID, like COVID notwithstanding, but like think about the AIDS crisis too, like sure. how many people died in that and like, one, it was denied because of homophobia, but like now, even as we think back about it, there's a whole generation of LGBTQ people that are like, that are just not there. And we can't, like, we just can't get that. Like how much of our fascination with um, the bigness of the universe, the bigness of God, like uh, creating superheroes or focusing on supernatural things, how much of all this is really just us not being able to comprehend the world that we live in? Mm -hmm. That I think that's the question that I'm trying to like pull through in this. Because uh, like really, if you sat down and understood the world that we live in today, like and like really thought about like we're able to grasp even in some kind of way just like the amount of energy in a nuclear power plant or like just thinking about Hiroshima you know like if you were right. able to like really comprehend the power and and destructive capability like you would I think you would go crazy like I think you would lose it um and so like, do we really need things? Do we really need to say that like God is that which is beyond our comprehension when our world today is beyond our comprehension? Hmm, sure, sure. Yeah, th these are all very, I find that very, uh, an interesting question, everything you're bringing forward. I, I think that, so let me, let me start with this. I think that these are actually two sort of different ways of understanding um, ineffability and beyond mm -hmm. our comprehension. Um, um, and I think that you 
drawing on Indiana Jones is a fascinating example of, of, of what makes Indiana Jones really confused, you know, not, not mm. the character, but like the friend, like, like with, as they present that, what makes it kind of, uh, I mean, it's an action movie and, and we all know right. that, but like, but like what makes that action movie, um, uh, obviously they have not consulted a theologian or, or like, a, <laughs> or, or, uh, a, a number of things um so i'm only going to speak from a christian perspective because I, I i have read some work about sort of jewish understandings of god's ineffability um there's a really cool book by a guy by a rabbi his last name is fackenheim mm-hmm. i know fackenheim yeah and he he writes about the voice of god and the presence of god in a really interesting way that i think is cool um, that I think has some something to say here, but but I'm not going to dive into it because I'm no expert at all. Um, so I think what's what seems to me to be the case is when Christian theologians talk about God's incomprehensibility or ineffability, it has more in common with the way. Um, Things like love and justice are not fully comprehensible. Hmm. Uh, than it is uh, um, about a complexity issue. Hmm. So, I uh, nuclear power and and the depth of all of that is is I think we can say you know this better than me, I think we can say is like a quantitative ineffability. Like, yes, you see what I'm saying? So like, so what makes, and, and you just did it, like you did that a little bit ago, stabbing a guy, shooting a guy, atomic bomb. Like ultimately we're actually talking about quantitative increases, right, mm-hmm. of destruction. And, and it gets to the point where you know, what's the difference between a trillion and a quadrillion, you know, who who cares, you know, like, like it's, it's all totally beyond my comprehension from, from that perspective. But, um, it might not be the same as, as saying, as talking about like the mystery of God's presence, because we're not really talking about a quantitative difference. We're, We're talking about something that's, qualitatively not the same you mm-hmm. know um it's like uh, uh I, I think i don't know who talks about this but but the uh the the two kinds of infinity mm-hmm. um you can have an infinite succession of numbers but also the number one is infinite in a different way you right. know the number the number one is infinite in this sort of qualitative way where, where uh, you know, and, and, and I think that God's ineffability has more in common with that other way than, than this. I would actually say, if I, was, if I was writing a theology on this or talking through one, I would say you have, you have um, perhaps uh, got at a really interesting way of talking about the difference between uh, God and evil or God and sin. Oh, okay. Um, in a really interesting way, in that um, you are describing 
you know, as, as you describe climate change, or as you describe these, these, these really profoundly terrible things that, that are really beyond our comprehension, you are sort of, you, there's a sense in which you're describing kind of the depth and multi-layers of, of sin and death in the world. Hmm. That, that um, if we could comprehend it, in in a in a concrete way then we can also reverse engineer it but we really can't like like mm. like we we really can't reverse engineer this because we really can't comprehend it like the the more we go the more we think through it the 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 deeper and deeper uh, layer there is right um but that's not really the case when when we think of god or the beautiful or the true or the good Truth is actually very simple. That's actually what makes it mysterious and ineffable. Is that is that it's actually it, it's not complicated. It, it, it or, or rather, it does not have moving parts. You know, it, it's mm -hmm. actually this sort of in this way of thinking. It's actually this sort of this one brilliant thing. You know, or this one thing that is brilliant in that it in that it shines. Maybe not in that it it you know it's it's obvious, but like. And because it's this sort of simple thing, it, it, it is beyond, our, it is ineffable. It's beyond our comprehension precisely because it is so simple. It is so um, um, non-composite, right? Hmm. Um, and I think those are two different ways, mostly because they elicit two very different responses out of us, I think. I think I'm, I'm just riffing now, but, but go with me a little bit on it. Sure. I think that, I think that encountering the, the depth of evil, let me try it another way, encountering, beginning to encounter the, the depth of the problem of climate change and all of the layers of evil, all of the layers of sin, all of the layers of, of greed and selfishness and mismanagement and 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 all of the things that were done for no you know without without trying to lead to climate change mm -hmm. and all of the ways in which if we were to take apart those things millions of people would lose their jobs families would die you know like like all of that the response is not awe you know, right. like, like we don't, we do not respond with a sense of awe or a sense of wonder or a sense of, of the, of, of, of the, of greatness. Rather, we, re, we might respond with helplessness, fear, um, dread, uh, uh, dread um, uh, the, the, uh, a total sense of, of nihilism in the mm -hmm. face of, in the face of it, because it's just too, colossal it's just too enormous but but I, I i think that the response is very different you know when we think of the ineffability of god on that other side i think there's instead the response is and i don't i don't think it's dread i think the response that we feel when we encounter this maybe other form of infinity or this other form of ineffability in god is a sense of wonder it's a sense of 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 um uh, joy of mystery of, of, of sort of a childlike, wow, like, like that's amazing. Um, I'm generalizing, I'm riffing, mm -hmm. and I recognize that, but, but I think that there's some truth to that. 
because because truth, beauty, goodness, love, the one, you know, whatever we want to say as we, I know I'm being very neoplatonic and not everybody would agree, <laughs> but, but like, right. but if we think in those ways, um, holiness, as Forsyth would say, you know, ultimately mm-hmm. Forsyth would just use holiness as the catch-all for all of that stuff. The holy does not fill us with dread. If it does, it might just be the demonic. It might just be the profane. Hmm. You know, the, the, the holy uh, fills us with a desire for more holiness. You know, it, 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 it elicits within us uh, something that is, is, is um, tangibly palpable, something that, that might even cause us to sit you know, like that cause us to stop and, and be like, wow, we are, we are in the midst of something. Hmm. Um, I don't think it, it would cause us to want to kill ourselves. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know? um, does that make sense? Like, I feel like, I feel like there's something to that, but I might be, I certainly could be wrong because I just might be, you know, riffing. I mean, I think I, so that fits really well within um when uh, when emotional research talks emotion research talks about awe and talks about there are um, they, there's a paper that kind of stipulates these factors create or are are identify identify an awe experience, but how you um, process that awe experience, how you kind of fit it into your mental structures can go one of two ways. Um, you can have like there are you think about a, think about a T-Rex, right? Think about a, a, a skeleton of a T-Rex. There are people who look at that and are like, I want to know more about that. I am fascinated by that. Like, mm-hmm. let me like take this in. Let me like be here as a part of it. And there are people who are like, I am afraid of that. That is threatening to me. That is bigger than what I can kind of handle. I'm going to step back from it. One of that, one of those is positive accommodation, which leads to that like childlike sense of wonder. And one of those is negative accommodation. And I think that, um, I, like, I think they have identified something really true in, in setting up those categories. Like that strikes me as, as right. Um, and, and you think about it the same way with like the vastness of the night sky, right? Like there is either a spark that's like, I want to see like what's out there. I want to know, look at all these stars. Or it's that like existential dread of like the void goes on forever, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and both of those are, are real reactions. You're just accommodating, you're, you're accommodating the same information in different ways. Um, and I, I think that it is very possible to, um, um, I, like I think back to uh, the ineffability of God and how uh, thinking about like the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and mm-hmm. like fear of God and how, um, how some people take that as real genuine fear, like you should be fearful, feel fearful for your life. Uh, because God's power could come down and smite you. And like, that's a, that's a real reaction that people have had many, many times. And I think what we want to do is shift is is shift away from that understanding and say, well, that like, that's not God. Like you were not seeing God in that because God would not use God's power in that way. Right. Like God is, is goodness is love is all these things. Um, and, And so like, I think that, 
I think that people have used this idea to where like if you were it's not that uh the demonic has gotten in and has taken the place of god it's that people have um seen god and mistaken god maybe for i i don't know like i i want to be like if you were to stand in the in the full presence of god like i want to think that it would it would be overwhelming right it would overwhelm your circuitry um and uh that like may like regardless of your theology about god you might interpret that as a negative experience because that is too much for you i mean think about i think about angels right like biblical descriptions of angels with all the eyes and the wings and the Mm. and how everybody is afraid of angels when they show up um and yet angels are not demonic they're just more than what we can really like get our heads around this is i think about this a lot with horror too um uh, like Stephen King does a good description. If you just want like a very accessible uh, introduction to like the ways that horror can be used, Stephen King's Dance Macabre does a good job of talking about how like there is horror in the ineffability, right? In that, um, in in what we call like Lovecraftian kind of eldritch monsters that are just mm. big and beyond our understanding and like kind of like the giants who are here to crush us um and i think that like god has that same level of power but you have to trust that god is actually goodness right and it, and that is not going to use that power to crush you and that's a lot of trust to ask like uh, have we have we perpetually I I find that um that that some people want to talk about God in terms of this like pure energy, pure power, pure force and not tie it to uh goodness and love. Mm-hmm. And when you just have like God that is this untamed energy and force, then God can be both good and evil. Um which is to say God is just evil, you know? Well, <laughs> so it's so the same way about that. Cause I feel like I know what you mean, but I don't know that sure. everybody else does. Um, so all I mean by that is, is I don't think human beings have any real way of, of latching our minds on to uh, claiming that something is beyond good and evil. Hmm. Um, and so I think that that's just something we say, like, like I think, I think that's something we say to talk about, um, generally to talk about God when it comes up, but, but another way of saying beyond good and evil is something is amoral, which is to say that thing is evil, like, like hmm. amoral things are evil, you know, no, no, not necessarily. No, no, that is, that's the answer. Like if, if you in, encountered a person who is amoral, you've encountered an evil person, like, like that, that person is, that person commits evil and, and does it because will do evil if it suits that person mm-hmm. is is a, a pretty concise definition of an evil person <laughs> like, like, like that's that's the answer or even even the uh, the the definition will do good if it suits that person is also a pretty concise definition of an evil person you know like like <laughs> like like that's and so to say that god is is neither good nor evil god is beyond good and evil god if God says something is good, it must be good, is, is sort of another way of talking about 
is sort of another way of saying that God is is in fact evil, or or to, maybe to put it another way, is to say that that all things are arbitrary. Right. That, that there that there are no there is there is no actual um, foundation, if you will, for for goodness, which is by the way something that 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 many postmodern people already think is true. And and there's some really interesting kind of theological genealogical work to demonstrate that in the West, anyway, the kind of ascendancy of, of that way of thinking theologically, like, like the, the ascendancy in the late Middle Ages and early modern period of sort of conceiving God as beyond good and evil, that God, it is good because God wills it, not God wills it because it is good. Right. Um, there's some interesting geneal- genealogical work to demonstrate that this is actually the beginning of nihilism. Like, like this is mm. the beginning of, of, of kind of uh, uh, atheistic nihilism is, is that that is actually a metaphysical claim, you know, that says that all things are arbitrary, even if that's not the way, you know, it's presented. And I and I frankly, I, I'm not willing to kind of buckle on that. Like, I, I think that's quite true. Like, I think I think I, I have to come to the conclusion that um, uh, God is good and that, that the good and God are the same thing. Um, that that uh, there might be... Now, that doesn't mean that the human being conception of, of the good is what God is. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm, but, but, mm-hmm. What I, but what I'm not... But what I'm also saying is, is that, that there is... That God and the good and the human conception of good don't have anything in common. Like, I'm definitely not saying that. Like, so I'm sorry for the side thing, but I think it's worth it. Um, there is uh, some really interesting work done in kind of theological language and like, like the way theologians talk about this stuff. And, and there's a really cool argument um, that I think is so simple, but I think is, is, is obvious and clear when, when you get into the argument about why um, uh, particularly Protestant theologians must reject uh, equivocal language about God. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you'll hear even really well-meaning Protestant theologians say things like, you know, God is nothing like God's creation. God is nothing like, you know, uh, 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 the created world. Um, and, and therefore, uh, you know, they might invoke things like God's ways are not our ways or, or stuff like that. Fine. The, the problem is, is that that when you, when you, die on that hill that renders all language meaningless like like it renders all language about god totally meaningless if if god is nothing like us nothing there's no correlation then then how in the world can we say anything about god like the all of our words mean nothing and for some some certain theologians like certain reformed theologians they might be like ah exactly and i'm like no not exactly (laughs) <laughs> that includes that includes revelation like that includes right. a, that includes a, a a strong sense of god's revelation like be, it, it cannot work 
you're, you're asking us to, to trust that the script of Revelation somehow tells us about God, even when all other words fail. Um, and that becomes really meaningful when we start talking about things like hell, right? Like, right. you know, the, the, the way when people talk about a loving God can't send people to hell, you know, for all eternity. Uh, and then people try to make apologies to try to get to how that's possible. One of the things that happens often is they invoke analogies and they invoke, you know, something like, um, well, you know, you're a parent, you know, I've heard this before. Parents should discipline their children. You know, if, if, a, if a kid is doing something wrong, it, it's not, it's not like, we're not talking about beating your kids. We're talking like, not at all. Like, like, and as a parent, I totally get this. And I assume as an, as, as a nanny, you, you totally get this too. Like if a kid acts up, you know, and, and puts that kid's self or others in danger or, or, or is learning a behavior that, that is unacceptable, you deal with it. You know, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you deal with it by smacking them. You deal, but you deal with it directly and, and mm -hmm. you go, nope, this is not how it works. And, and they want to invoke that analogy when it comes to, you know, hell, right? The problem is, is that, that because of the establishment of this uh, equivocal language, none of that makes sense. It, it can't make sense. There is no uh, similarity right. between, between God sending people to be tortured for all eternity and a parent's um, disciplining of a kid who's done something wrong. There is no similarity. In fact, there's not even any similarity with, with uh, sending a person to prison forever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, like that's, that's what makes this so out, out, outrageous. Like, like this, there, there's not even a similarity to that either. Like, you know, you do something wrong, you go to prison for, for all time. Yeah, until you die. And then you're free. But in this, but in, but in this case of, of a God sending a person to hell, we're talking about eternity now. You also don't tend to get tortured when you're in prison. You know, you also don't, at least not in this country, uh, at least not publicly. You know, you don't, you also don't tend to, you know, be tormented with fire and brimstone. <laughs> like, like these things don't, it, it doesn't work. Um, and so why do I say all of that? Well, I say all of that because the, the language then that we have to sort of lean on, the only language that really makes sense without reducing God to just, you know, some other thing that we can kind of understand is, is to talk about God's um, infinitely more and greater mystery. And mm -hmm. so God is love. Yes, God is love. But God's love is, um, is, 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 is like our love. It's just that it's mysteriously greater and more and more complete and so in other words god's love can't be so different that it makes our love um uh that that it becomes unlike our love mm -hmm. that, that's all what that means um and and i think uh when you sort of apply that rule uh to what we're talking about i think then it this notion of God sort of being beyond good and evil, this God of pure power, like all of this stuff, 
that that allows us to sort of arrive at what you're talking about that conceiving of 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 kind of the overwhelmingness of god in, in terms of like a brain break uh if that were true what what we would be talking about then is is something that like at least much of the tradition of christian thought can't really would not describe god as right yeah you know like like we of course we would be overwhelmed but but the over but 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 it not in a way that you know kind of does violence to our person because um, we're not talking about something that's totally unlike us, right? You know that that's what makes the Cthulhu monster scary, right? And this is actually why I I occasionally get frustrated with Bart, like, and I've said this in my Bart class, like sometimes Bart describes God sort of like he's an eldritch horror, like mm-hmm. a nice one, <laughs> but, right. but but like but sort of that way, like like he's totally different, he's totally other, he's wholly di- like okay, well then then I have no frame of reference, you know, I have no way of of comprehending in any way but when we talk about god as being sort of mysteriously greater and fuller and more transcendent Mm -hmm. in this way we are just we are saying god's love we we put it in a slightly different sense and we say the love so the love i have for adrea is is really love but god's love is more complete Mm-hmm. It, it's mm-hmm. more full it's more it's greater and more and so in a real way in a real way adrea can in and, and myself for that matter can encounter and come to know something of god's love in our loving relationship it's possible mm-hmm. but but when but but encountering the fullness of god's love is overwhelming and great and mysterious but it doesn't break the brain because because it's not totally unlike creation the last way Mm -hmm. of putting it is is in this framework we would say that that creation is a theophany creation is an expression of god it's not it's not God's, uh, it's not a homunculus. I love that word. That's why I use it all the time. <laughs> it's not, a, it's not an aton of baton. It's not a, it's not a thing that, that looks nothing like God, that God sort of made and it's over here, you know, no matter how much some Christians want to say it is. Um, it's, it's a theophany and, and, be, and, and that's good news. Cause if we weren't a theophany, we could not be in union with God. We could not, you know, we, we could not, uh, in a real way, encounter um, the grace of God uh, in a way that does not annihilate, right? Max was the confessor would talk like that. Ma- Max mm-hmm. was the confessor envisions um, uh, what is grace, but not unity without annihilation. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is, what is, what is um, salvation, but not unity without annihilation. This is, this is the the fullness of what God wants in creation, and the only way that is possible is if creation is, in some sense, like God. Um, right. And I think what you're describing, and then I'm going to be done. I think that that the kind of 
ineffability that we encounter with like climate change is, is if we were to use like a theology of sin mm -hmm. is, is this sort of ineffability that we encounter something that is negative to creation negative to reality yeah is it born from creation yeah but that's but that's actually what makes the the theology of sin and the fall important it's what gives it it's what gives it uh intelligibility because what we're talking about is is there's actually something alien now in creation there's something mm -hmm. there's something decaying in creation that makes it not creation that that that's why that's why we say that god does not create death or evil because death and evil aren't real they're they're alien to it and so when we encounter the depth of that alienness then yeah we go holy shit like like this is this is like an eldritch horror yeah because it is in, in some right. ways that's in some ways that's exactly what evil is in this in this way of thinking an alien force that is uncreated and is and is therefore not a theophany and is therefore not mm -hmm. uh, nothing like god Mm hmm. Well, and that's why I like um, it, like Lovecraft Country, also on HBO, is about um, it combines together both like that eldritch horror and, um, you know, the horror of the black experience in the United States and enslavement and all of these things. Um, and, and in that way, like I, I think that I think tying it to a theology of sin is really is is key um i think because um th like this is why fighting against white supremacy is so hard this is why fighting for uh solutions to climate change is so hard i like we we really shut down when we try to understand just how awful the consequences of either our actions or the actions of our ancestors are like we we cannot understand the depth to which we have broken our relationships with one another or with creation um, it, to an extent that like is near irreparable. I mean that, and, and we, we don't want to look at that. We don't want to see that, um, that, that irreparable damage. Um, and so we pretend like it's not there. We deny it. We walk around as if like the world will continue on. Um, and and that, that has nothing to do with who God is. I like, I think, I think that's really true. Um, while I think that like a lot of us walk around the world without the appreciation for the theophany that the world is and, and like the presence of God in, in the world and in creation, uh, because that demands something from them in terms of turning toward God. I also think we walk through the world without looking at the, the depth of sin around us because that too requires something from us. Um, and we don't have the ability, the, the willingness, the time, the whatever to look at it and, and see it for what it is and deal with it. Um, like I, I'm really, I'm fixated on this, uh, the avoidance aspect of all of it. Um, probably because there's an aspect of, of me myself wanting to avoid things right now, but, but I think there's something really genuine and true there to deal with too. Um, this has been good.
this is, I feel like I have a, a, a reading list of people to go like, look back at as I mm. think through this. Um, cause it, it does, it presses a button in my brain that makes me want to like learn more and think more about it. Uh, there mm-hmm. are things in life where I'm like, this is good. I have gained information and this is sufficient for me, but I like, there's still more poking I wanted to do with this one. So thanks for indulging me on this fun little crazy ride through whatever this, this was. This was good. I, I quite like the question. I, my final thought about it is that this is whenever we kind of dive into this, this is, this is part of the reason why I tend towards, and we just said this in the episode we just, we just did, why I tend towards theologies that are really theocentric and why mm-hmm. like, I like um, some liberation theology a little more than others, if I may, like, like why, why I like tone a little more than I like Gutierrez. Mm. It's, it's not, it's not that Gutierrez doesn't care about God far from it, but like, but like Cone. Cohn always grounds his liberation theology. Yes. In the black experience. Yes. in all of that things, he makes it very clear, but he grounds it in the God of the oppressed, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and there's a theocentricity to it that I love. And the reason why I love stuff like that is because I think that when your brain breaks from encountering the depth of sin and evil, there's really, there, there, what, what do you do next? Like, where else do you go? Like, like, you can't reverse engineer it. You can't, you can't figure out how to, how to undo it. That, that's just not how it, it's just not how it is. And so I think that the turn that, that I make is frankly is why well, I have to just turn to God. Like I have to God, how are you going to fix it? Like, like, how are you right. going to lead us to fix it? Like, like what, what's the plan, you know? Um, and, and, there's something in me that strikes me as very cliched, but, but like, I also don't, I also think it's very true for me. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, that, that's a lesson that I learned. One of the first lessons I learned from seminary, frankly, like in my one theology class was, you know, once you, once you figure out just how bad sin is, Anselm says that, you know, Mm-hmm. After Bo- after Bozo asks him in, in the dialogue, you know, in Caradeus Homo, why can't God forgive sin by fiat? Like, why can't God just go, it's all done? And Anselm says, you have not yet comprehended the depth of sin. And I think that's dead right. Like, I'm like, yeah, man, that's exactly it. Like, an Anselm doesn't have in mind all this stuff. Right. But, but like, I think it's still true. Like, you've not yet comprehended the depth of sin. It's... There's so much. So, no, I thought this was good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm still, like, the wheels are still turning. So that's mm-hmm. good. That'll give me something to do while I'm trapped inside with all of the snow. Woo. So much snow. Yeah. I hate snow. No, yeah, this was terrible. The, <laughs> it, it really was. Like, I was like, oh, God. I hate snow so much. I that's the it. Pennsylvanian in you coming out. Oh, God, it's the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> My dad, when my dad moved down to North Carolina, uh, I remember like being a kid and being like, don't you, don't you miss snow? Don't you miss winter? Cause we only get like a week of it. And he goes, Mm-mm, not at all. Don't miss it. No. Not a, doesn't matter. <laughs> Altoona snows are difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Paul got dysentery the other day. <laughs> there's not, there's, I don't know. I don't know if you visited Altoona. There's not, a, there's. There are parts of Altoona that are new now that are like 
you know, that's that's where the Red Robin is up in that area. <laughs> you can go to the Olive Garden, you know, like like there's parts that are that are fine. A Penn State, you Penn State campus is in Altoona, Penn State Altoona. That's all really great. Um, the Altoona district office is there. But then you go into like old Altoona and you're like, okay, like this is uh this is uh, old gods of Appalachia, isn't it? You know, yeah. and, and like, <laughs> and uh, that's where you can meet my grandfather, Pat, Pat Daniel Haynes. He lives in his childhood mountain home that just got electricity, you know, when I was born, you know, and, uh, and you're like, this is, this place has never changed. Everybody's like, nope. Nope. No need to. Why would you? Alton is the greatest place in the world. Why would you want to change it? And you're, you're like, Okay, well, <laughs> I'm going to stop by the Olive Garden and I'm going to head on. <laughs> it's really the lesson of life. Well, will you sign us off for this minisode? I, I will. Friends, thanks for listening. This has been a minisode of What the Hell is a Pastor. We are Spanks Reebok and the Dude, and we will see you next time. don't know why i'm shilling for hbo right now hbo uh, sponsors uh this podcast we're gonna have a lot more boobs here soon it's gonna be great <laughs> <laughs>